She's Awakened is a podcast hosted by Awakened Souls Ministry. We all come to know God because He has touched our hearts in some way, therefore awakening us. Let's chat and open ourselves up to becoming vessels on topics His Spirit leads us to. The title of our lesson today is Our Great Shepherd, and we'll be teaching from the Book of Psalms. I wanted to share with you some interesting facts that I found about the Book of Psalms with you. Psalms is a collection of five books, which are written by several authors. The five books parallel the first five books of the Old Testament. Book one consists of Psalms 1 through 41, It reflects the book of Genesis, written about the creation of man, the fall into sin, and the promise of redemption by God. Book two consists of Psalms 42 through 72. It reflects the book of Exodus, how God rescued the nation of Israel and so rescues us even today. Book three consists of Psalms 73 through 89. It reflects the book of Leviticus. It talks about God's holiness, the tabernacle, God's power and truth that he is a he is deserving of worship. Book four consists of Psalms 90 through 106. It reflects the books of numbers. It talks about the relationship of God's kingdom with the troubles we face on earth, making us aware of his sovereignty and power. And book five consists of Psalms 107 through 150. It reflects the book of Deuteronomy, giving voice to songs of praise and thanksgiving about God and his word. The entire book of Psalms was written from 1490 BC, days of Moses, to 444 BC, days of Ezra. The theme of Psalms is that we worship God for who he is and what he has done. I think it's so incredible how the Holy Spirit inspired different authors to write prayers, poems, and worship songs throughout several years and how he orchestrated them into a collection of books, which is called Psalms, and is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Our text for today is Psalms 23, verses 1 and 2, but I would like to read the entire chapter, which only consists of six verses. It reads, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Ye though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David, who is the author of Psalms 23, knew a thing about shepherds, for he himself was a shepherd boy 
who took care of his father's sheep. We read in 1 Samuel 16 that God sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house to anoint the future king of Israel. It was a custom for the youngest son in the family to become shepherd of the sheep. As the older son grew up, he passed on the shepherd's task to the next younger boy. And so the job is passed from older to youngest until the youngest of all becomes the family shepherd, according to manners and custom of the Bible land by Fred White. So when the prophet Samuel arrives at Jesse's house, David was out attending his father's sheep. David was about 15 years old when Samuel anointed him and 30 years old when he became king over Israel. So when he wrote Psalms 23, he knew exactly what it meant to be a shepherd. I just want to stop here to talk about the waiting period David had to wait in order for his promise from God to be fulfilled. Maybe someone is here listening to this teaching and has been waiting on a promise from God. I'm here to let you know the waiting period is not in vain. Absolutely nothing is wasted with God. God used the waiting period to mold David for his assignment. He is your shepherd and he will take care of you and fulfill his promise in your life. The Lord is my shepherd. These familiar words from Psalms 23 have brought hope and encouragement into the lives of God's people for more than 300 years. But even greater meaning emerged when this phrase is understood in the context of the way Middle Eastern shepherds lead and care for their flocks. The shepherd was both the flock's leader and constant companion. As protector, the shepherd carried a rod, a club-like weapon, and a staff to drive away predators. Yet the shepherd treated the sheep gently anticipating their very need and even carrying those who become weak or injured. As provider, the shepherd called to the flock, leading it to water and fresh pastures by voice. Shepherds in biblical times were so closely linked to their flock, they could separate it from larger flocks simply by calling to their animals. The sheep in turn responded only to the voice of their particular shepherd. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. What an amazing picture of the kind of relationship God desires to have with his people. To better understand the metaphor of God as shepherd of his people, we must remember that Middle Eastern flocks are not found in a lush landscape of belly-deep alfalfa, where they might survive on their own. Rather, they are found in barren deserts, wilderness, where the presence of a good shepherd can mean the difference between life and death. So it is with us. Psalm 78:52 says, He led his people out like sheep and guided them like a flock in the wilderness. God led his people out of Egypt into the desert in order to show them he was their shepherd who cared deeply for them and would provide for all their needs. As their shepherd, he lovingly taught them to listen to his voice, obey his words, and follow wherever he led. God, our shepherd, meets us in our deserts too. He is committed to lead and protect us during our desert experience. 
the painful times of significant suffering and struggle in our lives. As scary and difficult as these deserts may be, they provide the opportunity for us to learn to follow his voice and discover that we can trust and depend on him completely. Through his word, God invites us to experience him as our compassionate shepherd who loves us, cares for us, and faithfully provides just what we need for each day. Here you have a map of the Israelites' journey out from Egypt to the Promised Land Canyon. The red dotted line up in the, um, where it's underneath where it says the Great Sea Mediterranean is the route that took seven days to the Promised Land. The orange is the route that God took the Israelites to the Promised Land, and that lasted 40 years in a desert. The pictures to the left are pictures of the wilderness and deserts of the Bible. Shepherds would take their flocks away into the wilderness and desert to graze on green pastures. You can see that it's very rocky and dry. How many of you know sometimes our life seems that way? When we become followers of Jesus, we are not immune from trials and hardships. The rocks and dry places in our lives, but the rocks of life are the very places God often brings sweetness into our lives. We read in Exodus 15 of an incident where God turned the only drinking water for the Israelites that was bitter into sweet drinking water. So he does the same with us. He turns our sorrow and bitterness into dancing. What do you picture when you think of a biblical metaphor of God as shepherd and his people as sheep? And if you were like me before we did this Bible study called Walking in the Desert with God, I envision when I would read Psalms 23, a green hillside with fluffy, big, fat sheep on it. And when I started with this Bible study, I realized, oh, well, that's not the picture that the Bible talks about. Many of us think immediately of protection, comfort, and contentment God provides for those who follow him. An image of relaxing vacation at a pristine lake surrounded by green, grassy meadow may come to your mind like it did to me. Although God can and does provide for his people, we tend to overlook the fact that often he provides for us when we're facing difficult circumstance in the desert of life. The sun is still hot, our path is still steep, but God gives us just enough to keep us going. The just enough ble blessing shape and mold God's people into a trusting community that loves him and depends on him. Consider the trust and obedience the Israelites learned when God provided just enough manna for each day. And how many of you know that our life is usually that way? God is, is big and is able to do anything. And there's seasons in our lives when, you know, where everything's flourishing, kids are doing good, family's doing good, finances are good, everything at work is good. But then there's seasons in our lives where it seems like everything is falling apart. And it's in those moments that God wants us to remember that he will continue to be our great shepherd and provide for our everyday needs. Moment by moment, sometimes hard can be, life can be so hard that we need to take it day by day or even hour by hour, 
focusing on his goodness, focusing on his faithfulness that if he did it for us in the past, he was, he's going to do it for the future or whatever we may go through. Let's read Psalms 23, one and two again. The Lord is my shepherd, David says. He doesn't just say our shepherd. He specifically says my shepherd. He personally knew God as his shepherd. He didn't just know of God. He knew him personally. That is how God wants us to know him. There's a big difference there. You can have knowledge of someone or you can really know them personally. You can know what they like, what they dislike, what their dreams are and hopes are. You can really know that person. It's the same way with God. You can just have knowledge of him. That's good, but it's not until you invite him into your heart that makes the difference. But it doesn't just stop there. You must cultivate a relationship with him. You must want it. Talk to him and allow him to talk back to you. Andrew Murray, a father of the faith, said, when I pray, I speak with God. When I read the Bible, God speaks to me. And that is so true. I shall not want. The Lord is David's ultimate provider, and he provides for all our needs too, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. He gives new mercies and grace for each day. When the Israelites were in the wilderness, God instructed them to pick manna from heaven every morning except for the Sabbath day. Each morning, receive God's mercies and grace by faith for you. Say, Father, by faith, I receive your mercies and and grace, and I thank you for it. I don't know what's in store for today. All I know is that you are enough for me today. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God knows where the green pastures are. And when you are provided for, there is rest, even in those seasons of just enough each day. He leads me besides quiet waters. He provides refreshment for your soul and thirst. I'm pretty sure you guys know of a lot of people who are just just spiritually just thirsty. You know, they don't know what where to go. And, and they're finding waters from different places that God is not offering. And we are able to see the consequences in their lives. And God has placed those people in our path so we can show them that God is the only one who provides the sweet water for their thirsty souls. For he is able to quench the most driest, thirsty soul. He is your shepherd. I wanted to share a clip from the Bible study segment called uh, Walking in a Desert with God. And When I saw this video, it just completely transformed the way I thought of green pastures. And I hope this does the same thing to you. a shepherd lesson, I did want to look at one thing in the wilderness that will maybe surprise you a bit. Believe it or not, this is called wilderness, Midbar, but it's also called green pastures. Now, when you take a Westerner here the first time and you look at this, you find people say, well, I don't know that I can go there because the Psalm 23, the Lord leads me into green pastures has been pictured as belly deep alfalfa. 
Well, you haven't seen any belly deep alfalfa. And from biblical time to today, it's rare to see a flock in the farm country. There isn't a lot of farm country in this culture. And so farmers kept the shepherds out as much as they could. Maybe they would come in a little bit after the harvest to glean what was left, but you don't want sheep where you can farm. This is the land of the shepherd. Right on the hillside across from us, you can see those grazing trails cut there by sheep maybe as long ago as Abraham's time. They're spaced so that an animal on one path and an animal on another can reach right to the middle between them. That determines the distance, so you can graze an entire hillside. And the shepherds lead their sheep across that hillside slowly, grazing what's there. Now you look at it from here and you say, what's there? In fact, I remember my first impression. I woke up one morning, I was sleeping out in the wilderness, and I remember waking up, watching a flock of sheep on a hillside like this, and my, re my feeling was, what are those rock-eating sheep? I mean, what do they eat? How can you call this green pastures? Well, the answer is, there's a small amount of moisture present here. They get a little bit of rain every year. Not much, but a little. Second, there is humidity in the air, especially in the evening breeze, like right now, you can feel it. Coming from the west off the Mediterranean, there's moisture in the air. That moisture, combination of the rain and the humidity, condenses or drips along the edge of these rocks here. And if you notice, right around the rocks, almost always next to the rocks, you get little tufts of green. Get one a moment. That's what we refer to as the green pastures. So the shepherd looks for a hillside. That's exactly what she was doing. Look at that flock across from us there, just stunning. Those two shepherd girls have found a hillside that either was exposed to the wind or had that small amount of rain. And they move that flock across the hillside and it's one mouthful here, walk a step or two, another mouthful, another mouthful, another mouthful. Now that changes the green pasture image a little bit besides the picture changing radically. Green pastures are not everything you need for the rest of your life. If you make that belly deep alfalfa, then what God is saying, if you follow me, I'm gonna plunk you down and you'll never have to move an inch the rest of your life. Just reach out and grab it. Tell me that your life with God has been like that. Worry, said one rabbi, is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. In the desert, you learn, the shepherd will get you what you need for right now. 10 minutes from now, you trust the shepherd just enough. I love the way the Passion Translation reads in Psalms 23, and it says, the Lord is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks for me takes me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brooks of bliss. That is where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of the deepest, darkest fear, 
Fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit, and you give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursues me all the days of my life. Then afterward, my life is through. I will return to your glorious presence to be with you. I think that's just amazing. It, for me, it just brings so much peace, so much comfort that it, it is the desire of God for us to see him as a shepherd who will take care of us every single day of our lives. But I realized that in order for him to become our great shepherd, we must know him that he's a good shepherd. I'm not sure, you know, if someone's listening in, you know, you're like, huh, shepherd, God. Well, in order for you to know him as your great shepherd, you must know that he's a good shepherd, that he sent Jesus to die on a cross for your sins, to redeem everything the enemy stole from you. And so once we have an intimate relationship with him every day, our relationship gets it's cultivated and we can know Father God as our great shepherd. And my prayer is whether you don't know him, that he will become a shepherd to you. Whether you do know him, I pray that he will become your ultimate great shepherd. And that if you're going through a trial in your life right now, that you would turn your attention to him, knowing that he sees you where you at right now. You know, your prayers never go unanswered. The tears that you cry, every single tear, he sees it. And he is telling you, I'm here with you. I'm right by your side. I will protect you. I will see to it that you have everything for every day. Just trust in me, depend on me. Don't lose your focus. Focus your attention on me, for I am the author and the finisher of your life. And what I've started in you, I will see it to completion. I love uh, where it says in Psalms that standing firm in the heavens, fastened to eternity, is the word of God. And we are able to take the word of God to the bank. That is for sure. And God is not of men, is not men that lies. He's not someone who tells you something and doesn't complete, doesn't do it. You know, unfortunately, many times in our lives, you know, people have committed to us, but they've never gone through. Well, if they said, well, I'm going to do this for you or, you know, but it, they never go through our heavenly father is never like that. His desire is for you to be his sheep and for him to be your shepherd. And I would like to uh, finish us in prayer. So Heavenly Father, my God, I thank you for, for these ladies or for anyone who's listening to this message. I pray, Father God, that you would minister to their hearts. And I thank you that what you started in them, you will see it to full completion. 
Father, for those who don't know you, that they will have the opportunity to know you. And for those who know you already, that their relationship with you will be more intimate than ever before. That they will know you as their ultimate great shepherd who looks after them. Father, I lift up this ministry unto you. And I thank you, Father God, for what you're going to do, Lord Jesus. We're just vessels in your hands. And we just ask that you will continue to lead us with your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father God, that this message will fall on ears, Father God, and hearts that will be receptive, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for always being there for us. And we ask for forgiveness, Lord, if we have not put our focus on you, when we've trusted other things besides you. Forgive us, Father, and help us to get back in the right track, focusing on you, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you, Father God, for every single lady, Lord, here who represents a family. We pray for their family members, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father God. We love you. We praise you. And we just declare you to be Lord of our lives. And we just declare that there's no one else like you. And we thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.